Right, welcome back to the Limehouse podcast. Uh, this week, I've got like this really weird thing going on. I've got my best mate in the, in next to me. Uh, uh, d- don't speak yet, mate. I haven't, I haven't told you to. It's, Tr- it's Tristan. Hi, Tristan. Say hi. Hello, Limehouse podcast listeners. <laughs> so the reason Tristan's here is because... It's kind of a 40th, uh, 40th celebration for me. So I'm, doing, I'm trying to basically stretch out my 40th as much as I can. So Laura has taken the kids away so Tristan and I can have fun and play, um, which was quite cool, I think, of her. Very cool. And what better way to celebrate that than go and see a Bruce Springsteen cover band? Yeah, Bruce Springsteen cover band. Uh, in, do, you know where you, do you know where you live? They know where I live. I live in Dis. So I can say that. Oh, right. yeah. In Dis. Yeah. It was fun. It was like the first gig I've seen in such a long time because of obviously all the lockdown. Yeah, it was weird. But, um, yeah, everyone was seated. Um, it was. There was one particular guy in front of us that was having quite a laugh as well. Yeah, he was really, he was in the zone. Yeah. I mean, to describe him, he's, he was kind of like a uh, Kawasaki owning, 1980s owning motorbike kind of guy with really odd bizarre grey hair and was so shit faced that he was turning there was no one in front of him or behind him at the break and he was turning around just talking to nobody and that isn't poking fun at someone with mental health that is just someone who's drunk so much and possibly taken some fucking weird drugs right yeah he he was a special a special case yeah but the, the gig was it was good it was good to see some live music um, I thought the guy who played, he did Bruce, he could really, he did a really good job. Yeah. Yeah, he could play guitar really well and sing, it was, it was good. It was what good. I loved about him was he, his his job is a trucker, yeah. so you can just imagine him like, driving through the night with my hands <laughs> on the wheel, listening to Bruce Springsteen, because I am a little bit like Bruce Springsteen, because I'm in the cover band. Yeah. And it was really cool, man. Um but it, 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 was, it was just like, what was really weird, this moment, because I'd spent so long away from live music, and I didn't tell you this, but when we were watching it, you know you, you can watch stuff on 4K, like super high resolution now on telly, yeah. and, it, and it, it looks, when you're watching it, we were just watching The Mayor of Easttown the other day, and it looks so fucking real that it's almost like a, it's too real. Hyper real. Yeah, and watching the band, I was like, fucking hell. What's going on? I was it was it was like I was watching it like that, and I had it down like a panic attack or anything. But it was a very it was like, ooh, I'm uncomfortable here. I've got to really tell my brain that this isn't TV. Too much lockdown TV. <laughs> it was so weird. Um, <laughs> but anyway, this week's episode, right? Um, Chad Lawson. So he's he's a wonderful guy. We we had a really, I mean, I obviously ramble on a bit in the podcast as I'm doing now, but we. Um, we touch on mental health because he's got a wonderful podcast called Calm It Down. Uh, he's a musician as well. He's been doing like sort of, I would say, it's like classical, but his own slant on it. He's, he's been producing music for years and I love it. And his podcast is so chilled. It's brilliant. It gets you into the sleeping zone. Um, and it, it, the stories he tells in these, these episodes, they're about 15 minutes each, are so, so random, but so like childlike almost there's one about snoopy and his voice is incredible actually we'll, we'll hear soon but it's so chilled i do encourage you to listen to it and support him he's a lovely guy chad lawson calm it down podcast calm it down len um anyway um 
I just feel like there are so many more references to Alan Partridge in my life now I'm li- living uh, in, in Norfolk. It's just like, yeah. around every corner, there's the opportunity to, uh, to bring out the Partridge. <laughs> Top of the Partridge. Um, what, you know, like when we were doing yesterday, that, I mean, what is your favourite Lord, Tristan? Oh, it has to be uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what my favourite Lord would be, but um, I, I was always a little bit, I was always a bit fearful of um, uh, Gaylord, Gaylord in um, Sound of Music, you know, Christopher Plummer's character. He always had a fucking sinister edge in his eye. Like when he's talking to, is it Maria? I've never actually seen the Sound of Music. You've never seen that fucking film? <laughs> no. Why? I don't know. It's or, just... or Empire of the Sun. No, I haven't seen that. But yeah, Sound of Music, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. It's pretty, I've seen pretty, I've seen, like, I've seen bits of it definitely like, throughout the years got, like, it's Christ. cemented in culture but like I don't know it's not the sort of movie I'd want to oh I'm going to watch a movie today what should I watch I watch well, the sound of music I, I think you fucking should and also another Singing in the Rain these are classic movies tell me you've seen you've seen Singing in the Rain though, right? no I haven't seen Singing in the Rain <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand people like Singing you. to the Rain but, but also the other thing we did this weekend we went to Bressingham Steam Museum because we are fucking cool oh yeah and um reason we went there wasn't to check out the steam um engines although that was a lovely byproduct it was actually to play crazy golf yeah and um after 12 holes it finished it was a, it was actually a draw we drew yeah we drew 56 56 i pulled out my a game normally i'm absolutely horrendous at golf but i think it was the heat it's been like 30 odd degrees here um which is mental in fact we're both doing this uh, topless do you want to touch nipples <laughs> not right now no. okay fine it's just an invitation you don't have to I, I haven't showered yet maybe after a shower okay fine um, but yeah yeah And so it's been a bit of a weird weekend but um, god I suppose the other thing I wanted to touch on as well and this is definitely pivoting into like weird will territory um, was my, the article I write for the Dis Express I, I, this week I mean I've definitely kind of gone there just let me write about whatever I want because I've, I've basically written about the state of our country and the racism following the Euros and us losing on penalties, which, oh my God, was this time last week we were about to go into the final and I could barely talk. I was so nervous for the whole fucking day. And feeling the whole country, this wave of beautiful emotion behind the boys and the, the, suddenly feeling really proud of the Union, not Union Jack, the um, Cross of St. George. And, and just, oh my God, you know, here we go. The times you, are changing. Do you think, though, that... You said then that you felt like it was a positive wave of emotion going into the final. Do you feel like it was all a positive energy before? I think so, yeah. There, there wasn't too much. Because the other thing is a lot of people of like um, mixed heritage and what have you are like, they've adopted the St. The George, George flag, I'll get it there eventually, for the first time in their lives because of, you know, what it used to mean. Like you go to... Any sports ground, right? You know, there's always the cross of St. George with like a fucking town through it. Um, and, you know, and there can be like really thuggy looking assholes behind it. And the people that have adopted that flag um, for like nationalistic purposes. Um, and and you, you go, my God, finally, football is not only bringing like football's coming home, but also our, our national identity maybe is, is changing. No, I, and I, no, I think it. It was all that it didn't come home that our national identity was just shown to the world yeah. through that state. Everything that happened, you know, mm. the people invading the the grounds, like the mayhem afterwards, was just 
it just frothed over. But I think that's because obviously we've been going through a lot, as I said earlier, with lockdown and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so people's, you know, are going to be on high emotions, like constantly, but, and it's like fever and it was almost like allowed to like boil over, like, mm. and it just became, I don't know, it made me feel sad that, Desperately sad. Yeah, yeah. Like, not that's, you know, it was, you know, I'm not, I'm not a massive football fan, but I, I really enjoyed watching the, the games and stuff like that. And I think it's really nice that, uh, you know, you can get to see these people like be at the top of their game and getting, you know, achieving stuff. And it's, it's awesome. But I don't know. I just, I say, and what you're saying as well about St. George's flag, like, I feel that it's t it's tainted to me and it will never I can never look at it I never look at it if I see a flag somewhere and, it, and, I, and I, I'm just like oh I'm proud you know it makes you feel proud like to look at it I'm just make, it makes it, I find it triggering do you know what I mean yeah, no, like, I hate too. I almost hate being associated with it um, yeah I, I, sh I shouldn't I, you know I am proud like I'm British, but I'm just proud to be a human being. Do you know what I mean? Like, right, yeah. I know that's well, like, far out there, but... No, I no, know, I, like... I feel that too. I, I never, ever feel... That's, I feel so disassociated with that flag because I'm like, yeah. I have... Okay, I've done a bit of travelling, not like a super-duper amount, but a bit. And, uh, yeah, you do get, after a while, this sort of borderless mentality where we're all kind of the same. Because we are. You just go to any corner of the world. They're all just... Everyone's just trying to make the, the best they can of their life. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you have these nationalists like fucking Farage and all that that have infiltrated and infected the minds of, of, of you know, recently, in recent history, the minds of people. I think, no, I think the British people, I think, like... They've always been a bit like that. Yeah, I'm worried what's going to come... You know, no one knows me, so I can say what I want right now. But, like, I think it's, like, inherently part of being British is maybe being racist, like... I think it's really... Well, English. I mean, like, the Scots are a little oh, bit more... Sorry, yeah. Sorry, that was just a slip of the tongue. Yeah, you're right. Eng English. Because um, I, I love that. That's what I love about being associated with Scotland. It's because they've got kind of, like, a little bit more of a centre-left, like, mentality. They're not, they're not quite as eager to sort of, like, absorb this nationalistic fucking insanity. Yeah. You know, it, it's so... It's so perverse. It's perverse, but, you know, it's... I don't think... You can't blame one specific thing. Like it's mm. the history is run so deep and it's so old. Do you know what I mean? Like the empire, like all this stuff. Like exactly, yeah. The heritage that comes with with that is and the Crusades and all this stuff is is crazy. You know. Um, well, because we we grew like I mean we're like three years apart. We're both white. We both come from a decent like you know pretty reasonably privileged backgrounds. Um, and even we find it sickening. So I don't know how someone of like, you know, black ethnic minority, whatever, f how they feel about it. Like yeah. be being given this opportunity to go, oh, my, my football team is, is finally doing well yeah. and I want to celebrate that and I want to be English. Uh, and then it all goes wrong. It they, must be soul destroying. Yeah, I think so. I, I found like two days afterwards, I was very emotional. I mean, I cried because we left, because uh, we went out the, the final. I mean, I, I, we lost it and that was really sad. But then the subsequent racism just, oh my God, I've, I, haven't, I haven't been that depressed in a long time. Mm. But, yeah. um, but it was, it was, what was good was this opportunity for people like you and me to be like, actually, there's something really wrong. Okay, like you said, there's always been something really wrong, but it's this opportunity to go, well, yeah, um, we should probably talk about this. You know, that there should be like some kind of um, fallout to, to, to this and we need to take ownership of it. White 
British men, you know? Yeah, I, I don't think, like, I, you know, you say that white British men, but I don't, I think it's dangerous to tar us all with the same brush. Because we're, know, si- know, we're sitting here now having this really, like, heartfelt conversation about, yeah. like, the topic, and you, and we both have empathy, and it's, yeah. you know... So it's, but it's it, there's a lot of white British men that are the, 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 the center of this, right? I mean, come yeah, on, of, yeah, you know, of course, and, and women, of course, there's always room for racist women. Let's not leave them out. <laughs> but I'm just, I don't know. It's 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 just a difficult subject to get around. And how do you, you know? I think like, well, sorry, go on, go on. Like with like, you know, my sister's a teacher, and I hear about like her class all the time and stuff like that, and it just seems that like. Like her her class of, of like there's so many different nationalities in her class and I just think that's just going to be more and more prevalent as we go on and hopefully that will lead to more and more inclusion do you know what I mean and more and mm. more these kids are going to come up and be more aware of like or get opportunities as well yeah but I remember yeah. when I went to school like, like it was predominantly white do you know what I mean again I you know I don't think that, you know that there's no one to blame for that. Like people are going to move around the world at different times for different reasons. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and people are going to bump heads and you know mix. Yeah. For all different reasons. Um, but I think you know, as going back to the point we said earlier, I just feel that you know, one thing I saw from the World Cup is everyone is human everyone's the same no matter where you're from as you said do you know what I mean it's like yeah why I don't understand why people just don't get that because I feel it like do you think it's just ignorance though like people want to live in ignorance sometimes yeah but I don't I think it might be unconscious you know mm. it's not always a conscious I think people are racist unconsciously do you know what I mean because yeah definitely. I feel that you know you we live in a society where it's like dog eat dog like this whole Thing and everyone's trying to one up one each other, and that's getting exacerbated now through like social media and things like that. Mm. So you're always going to be like picking on someone who's you, you know not lower than you. That's the wrong way of saying it, but like someone's you you're going to feel everyone feels picked on because yeah. someone's doing better than them. So yeah. you're automatically going to be like, well, these people are picking on me. I'm going to pick on someone else. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And it's like. Isn't that just the nature of capitalism, though? Like, the, the, how it thrives, how it wins through. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think the thing with capitalism as well, it's like, and we're completely going, diverging <laughs> now, very deep. Oh, I, don't like, give a, I don't give a shit. It's like, if you live in a state of fear, then generally you will consume more. Mm. So, every capitalist wet dream is like, producing more fear because you, you're going to want to buy more yeah. stuff. Like, exactly. You know I, mean? I mean, I'm terrified. I'm always, I'm not always buying stuff. But I know exactly what you mean. Like, yeah, the people, if you want to enter into that game, play that game, it's very fucking easy to go to do it. Like, if you're feeling anxious, depressed or whatever, you want to better your life because Francis and Tony next door have got the latest thing or whatever, then, you know, you just, you do, you aspire to that. I, I aspire to own more fucking understanding of human beings rather yeah. than goddamn shit and wealth. But I mean, that's just me being a hippy-dippy motherfucker. But yeah. um, no, no, it, it is really interesting. Um but just to go 180 back to the subject of this pod, the podcast, I guess, the main guest of this podcast, which isn't Tristan, although maybe it should be. Um, he's such an insightful, lovely fellow, um, is Chad Lawson. So give him, give him a listen on Spotify, his music and his podcast. Um, and I, I do hope you'll enjoy it. 
I really do. But um, before we, before we go, Drist and I have had such an amazing relationship for years and years and years. Um, but we yesterday, like we had this cool shared moment walking back from this uh, from the Starwing Brewery, which is um, just outside of Dis. If you if you're in the area, do check it out. It's it's mental. It's like kind of like a festival stage. It's like it's kind of like a corner of Glastonbury, and um, and it's got the most amazing views. It's stunning. Watch the sun slowly set over it yesterday with a beautiful church in the background. And um, and we walked back from there about sort of I don't know nine thirty and put on um, the dark side of the moon, dark side of the moon album, yeah. and and walked all the way home. It was a beautiful. It was dusk and it was like one of those summer evenings where you can just walk back in a t-shirt and like just feel the warm air. It's, yeah. It was really really beautiful. And the different scents as well, right? The different yeah. smells. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And like really just being able to separate yourself from the. I don't know the A B C D E F G of of life, like and uh, step by step of just the stress of it all. And I mean, I live in the countryside now, so I'm I'm afforded more opportunities to get out. But still, I don't do that. I never go out at dusk and go on a long walk. And so we walked about ten miles in uh, in the day, and oh man, it was just so enriching. And you you were saying it's like a dream or something, right? Yeah, it felt it felt like a dream. But we weren't, we weren't high. We only had three pints as well. No, but we're just high on life, right? Right. <laughs> and I love that. And I think if, if to tie it into Chad's podcast, I think like he does a lot of that. He really centers you, um, which is so important because really, we, I know we, we've, we've done a fucking ramble here, but talking about spirituality and, you know, versus capitalism and all that, I think just getting back to basics, just, just being able to use your own senses to get a sense of yourself. Yeah, I think that's, I think, like, I haven't, you know, listened to this, this guy's podcast. What's his name again, sorry? It's called Calm It Down, Chad Lawson. But I can inherently see that, like, putting yourself in moments like that, like we did last night, and self-love yeah. is the only way that you're going to be able to give love to other people like do you know yeah. what I mean and stop like racism and stuff like that by just loving learning to love yourself yeah no it's true that's such a good way to end it as well Tris <laughs> Tristan the spiritual guru um, Tristan's going soon to uh, Bristol um, University to do a course uh, in film so he's moving to literally the other side of the country and because his country is so poorly connected with like trains and stuff it's it's going to be very hard to see him, but um, I don't know. We'll make it. We'll make it work. I'll write you letters. Of course, love letters. Everything works, mate. You, can I send you like like my pants and stuff? In the <laughs> no, past and like unwashed boxes. No. You sure? Yeah, please don't. Okay. I mean, it could be interesting. <laughs> we'd, we'd be so close to each other then. No. You could wear my used pants. I feel like we're, I feel like our relationship's good as it okay, is. Okay, fine. I mean, you know. It's just, I think there's some. I think there's, you know, there are some boundaries that need to rejection. Be I can deal with rejection. <laughs> I've dealt with it my whole life. Anyway, check out Chad Lawson's podcast, Calm It Down, and um, yeah, check out other bloody podcasts I've put out. Episodes. Danny McNamara was fucking brilliant. I listen. I never listened back to my podcast really, and that was so good. I laughed my ass off, and we we touched, man. We really um, we connected. I think. Anyway, look after yourself and um, yeah, go well. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Say bye, Tristan. Peace and love.
But Chad, how are you, man? How have you been? Like, I mean, not necessarily this lockdown or your entire life, but let's say, how have you been this day? Or it's only, what, 12 o'clock for you anyway, so. The the day's actually been good. Mondays are are usually the most chaotic days because Mondays are the put together the podcast kind of days. And so Mondays are just chaotic. And I've been doing this thing for... um, Spotify, they they asked if I would do like four small episodes for their internal, just for just for within the confines of Spotify. So, wow, um, for their own company, Jesus, man, that is like a super duper. Um, I don't know what you call that, like honor, I suppose. Yeah, it was actually really tremendous. I mean, they, it, what blew my mind about it all is that they have a huge staff devoted to mental health. Like, I, really? I, I can't recall. I can't recall the, the specific number. But it was like 50 people, like their whole role within Spotify is just mental health. And so they have like blogs and they have like coaching and just, you know, professionals to talk to. I I was so impressed. I couldn't believe it. And so um, one of the guys, he follows the podcast. And so he's been, you know, sharing it and this and that. And he just reached out and said, hey, you know, let's find a way for for you to to do something. And um, may... May was Mental Health Awareness Month here in the States. And so it just made sense to just put something together. So they were like, you know, can you put something together for our staff, for our employees? And I was like, yeah, let's have some fun. So so that was the added, you know, the last yeah. couple of Mondays kind of added, added work. But um, today was the last one. Actually, I just finished recording it. So it's, oh, that's, man. That's, that's fantastic. That's so, that's so great that you can do that. I mean, in, mm-hmm. um, and I'm also quite relieved that Spotify take their mental health, um, seriously within, within their, um, work parameters, because, um, a lot of do, a lot of, a lot of places do sort of pay lip service to it. Do you know what I mean? Like they don't mm-hmm. really knuck, knuckle down, nail down and, 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 uh, talk to people like one-to-one HR and what have you. But, um, yeah. that's really cool. So I was listening to your podcast, um, today with my wife man it it's so good like this it kind of made me giggle but but also chilled me out um a lot and the b- banana uh story you're telling like when you were a kid or whatever you <laughs> and the, the, the spider there's a spider at the bottom of every banana and like people listening to me saying that are gonna be like what the fuck is that podcast about you know they're gonna be like what are you talking about but you you explain to 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 me and to us the the wider audience yeah uh, what sure. what calm it down what the calm it down podcast is all about well i mean first and foremost i'm a composer pianist and so like i'm a musician and so you know i've been an indie artist for 20 years and so i finally went ahead and jumped the shark and said you know what i'm going to partner with a major label and so you know we recorded this album abbey road and i was so excited for its like release and and then all of a sudden COVID hits and it's like mm. everything that you imagined being the dream of signing to a major record deal um, is now kind of squashed by this pandemic. That's just like, you know, global. Mm. So I said, okay, um, I, I love a challenge. I, I truly do. And so yeah. I said, you know, what? how do I stay Two two things? How do I stay relevant? To my to my audience that I, I already have if i can't go and see them and secondly like my music is super chill it's it's very laid back it's very meditative very calming and so i get yeah. <laughs> thousands of emails of people saying hey you know what you're really 
helping me through a really difficult time. You know, like the emails will say, um, I'm going through a really bad divorce or I just watched a loved one pass and I go home and I listen to your music and I just lay on the floor and for 45 minutes, it just, it just really helps. You know, like one guy, he was a, a cyclist in California and he got run over by a car. And so he's writing me from the hospital and he says, you know, I've been here for eight months. And he goes, your music is the only thing that lets me sleep at night. So at that point I was like, okay, this is more than just about Chad Lawson. It's not about me. Um, so once the pandemic hit, I really started getting those emails like a lot. And it was just a perfect opportunity. I mean, I've been studying the science of music and mental health and like neurology, I can never say this word. What happens to our mind physically? <laughs> Neurologically. Neurologically, yeah. thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, like actually what happens to our bodies when we're listening to music? And it's really surprising. It's really amazing. I said, you know what? What better time than to create a podcast where I want to get into the grit of life with people and to say, hey, you're going through a really difficult time. Let's go through it together and let's figure this out. But in a very encouraging, very lighthearted, very positive way, because there are a number of podcasts out there that, you know, that, that deal with emotional anxiety or mental health and they're heavy. And I feel really just like more sad after listening to them. And, um, and so I said, you know, I wanted to put a different spin on it. I wanted to make this a little bit more just encouraging, just kind of affirmative and just uplifting if you will. And man, I, I love that. It, the response has been insane. I, I, I probably, I should be careful in what I share. Um, yeah, the messages I get are, I mean, I got it. I've received a message yesterday. That I just, I started crying when I got it from someone. I have no yeah. idea who this person is, you know? No, and he was like, in, he's like, literally, he's like your, your episode, it saved my life. And you're just yeah. like, okay. All right. So, well, you know, like people need a reason to believe, you know, mm. it's like it, 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 it and it can come in all formats, right? It's like, I remember this girl, I used to, I heard her on a radio interview once, she used, she used to write postcards or letters to people, um, just random people, you know, the public or what have you, and you would email her for a letter and it was bizarre. So she'd just say, you, you know, just telling you, I don't know, just anything like about her life or what her observations were. That's but these amazing. people really, right. And they really responded to it. I mean, I think it was a bit gimmicky and there was just a bit something odd about it. I don't know what's happened to her now, but it was, um, yeah, it was a bit kooky. This is like, obviously, you know, you giving a lot of yourself, right? Mm. Um, it, you know, when you're talking a little bit there about how you... Um, how you how it came to you almost because of the pandemic and you said like it's it's more than just about you and it's mm. almost it's come something i don't know like the, more like a kind of like a universal thing a universal energy telling you you know you've got to maybe you should be doing this um like what was it what was it like when you started doing it and you started feeling like oh this is working is it because kind of, you're obviously an incredibly creative person but in the creative process speaking as we are both creators it, it once something starts working it's like whoa i should have been doing this a long time ago yeah i mean i'm an extreme empath by nature and i always said years ago like that i would be a shrink if i weren't a musician like you know it's always the uh, you know the, the question people ask what would you be doing otherwise 
And I said that one day when someone had asked me, and I said, well, I would be a shrink. And, and they said, well, you already are. And your music is helping people. And I was like, mm. I've never thought about it that way, you know? And then mm. once it came into this, I waited tables for 15 years. And so like, that's the plight of a musician. You have a stake in one hand, you have a promo pack in the other, and you just, you take care of people, right? So your role, waiting tables, is to walk up to complete strangers and immediately try to see what they need, not only at the table, but just their emotions and see like how they work and what makes them tick. And so, um, in a roundabout way, in short, you're a caretaker. And so I look at my audience in that same way because the people that reach out to me, they're so transparent and they're so vulnerable and they're so just like naked, if you will. And so it's like, okay, I need to take care of those people. And that's just my nature and that's my wife's nature. It's just how we are as a couple. Yeah. And so when I started this, I mean, I literally had no idea how to begin. You know, I, I, I write the music for this podcast called Lore. And so, you know, Aaron and I were best friends and I, I see like what he does with his podcast, but I actually don't listen to the podcast because it scares the crap out of me because they're like old <laughs> ghost stories and folklore and all this stuff. And right. So like, it, it keeps me up at night. And yeah. so I, I just said, you know what? I, I, let me find something that people can connect to with each story. The, the banana thing, for instance, we've all eaten a banana. And just something that that they that's just applicable and that they can take to, and and so the interesting thing is once I started seeing people comment on Instagram more about the podcast episodes than the music, like even the mm. other day I posted a picture of just the piano and it says what do we have here, and someone said well I hope the next episode is about such and such because I really need to hear that, and I was like. Yeah wow, they're really beginning to see that, you know, the narrative is not only music, but it's also about like, hey, I want to get in the thick of it with you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, no. if you think about it, like even, even, even with like Limehouse podcasts, like even with your podcast and every podcaster, the role, I think what's interesting is we don't really see the audience on the other side. Right. Like mm -hmm. I'm set up, you know, I just finished recording and, and then once it leaves my door, I don't know what happens to it. I don't know where it lands. Yeah. Right. It is weird, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. is. But like, there's such like a unique responsibility in that. of just making sure like the words that we speak, you know, the words that you're speaking into people that could change generations. Yeah. And that's, immense. I mean, definitely you're, your podcast certainly i think <laughs> this is so know. good that we're talking mental health because i i, I love like like it, it's great we're talking mental health because i oh my god my whole life has been about a journey of uh, ignoring mental health right and and mm. my own mental health and 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 just i uh, getting getting worse and worse to the point of it being ridiculous and then finally <laughs> getting out of it anyway but you know this show the limehouse podcast is so it's quite varied and and it follows more of a path of like me my inner me and what my interests are and i hope that i find other people that have those shared interests what i love about you know yours is it's doing a specific one you know nailing down one specific uh topic genre and that doesn't just it's not it's not serving you it's it's serving mm -hmm many 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 other people and 
and the most important thing is mental health and it's just how difficult it is to get it right mm. in reaching people which you've which you've done do you know what i mean and like you said in a slightly like more light-hearted way because i think that's what people you don't want to get bogged down in the mire if you're already bogged down in the mire do you know what i mean don't need any more shit man no joke i mean like you know, our kids are both being homeschooled right now, you know, both remote, you know, my wife is having to be, you know, doing the whole teaching thing. I mean, I joke that like if, if a bottle of wine is open on the counter at 10 a.m., I don't judge. I don't say anything at this point. You know, that's just kind of like, that, that's all right. It's okay. Been there. Yeah. Uh, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean I'm I, having to like. Good, sorry, go on, go on. No, go I was, was going to say, how, how are you guys handling this? Like, what are you, how are you guys doing it? Well, it's weird because we've done a move. So we've, we've moved from southeast London into the countryside, about a couple of hours away into Norfolk. And okay. it's, um, it's, it's, been, it's been insane. I, like, I just can't, the last year has been insane. We've, we've put a house on the market. We went through a really, really traumatic sale up oh. and down, side to side. Are we going to lose it? Are we not? Which you know, hey, first world war, first world war, first world problems, but still, nevertheless, we um, in that time we've also had our second daughter. Um, oh my word! Wow. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's been, and you know, adjusting to a new environment when you can't go out and do anything. So yeah. it's very strange. It's it's very strange. But uh, yeah, beer, beer has has helped a lot. I've learned to become a cocktail maker, but um, no, like. For me, kind of, because um, mental health was definitely like this sort of buzz, this buzz thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, I'll just pick that. The BBC, for example, used to sort of, you know, feature, you know, do either TV programs on it or um, podcast series or just talk about it in a kind of like, we've got to do this kind of a way. Then the bloody pandemic happens and, you know, a couple of, not a couple of weeks, a week in and we suddenly realise holy shit like people have suddenly got to deal with a lot of stuff on their own and i spoke to someone a singer um west end singer um who's in the musical tina and she said like literally just like she was she was okay doing the work for herself her own mental health doing the work but oh my god imagine being locked in your room a tiny little london flat for week after week after week and you've no. got shit to deal with like that's yeah. tough yeah yeah. I mean, as artists, as creatives, I mean, I'm used to being in a room isolated by myself. I mean, that's my every day. And, and as an extreme introvert, I prefer that. Right. So like, but my wife is just an extreme extrovert. And so like community and just social is just what feeds yeah. her. And, you know, I, I was talking, I was on a call earlier with a lady and she has a 13 month old baby with two other kids, 13 month old baby. The baby has COVID. The 13 month has COVID and oh. they've been, she and the baby have been quarantining for the last seven days in a bedroom and they still have three more to go. I'm like, holy Whoa. buckets. How do you do that with a 13 month old? Like not leave a room for seven oh, to 10 my. days. That's insane. And, 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 and have two other kids outside of that. It's just, oh, oh my. I, I, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think this year has really kind of pushed everybody to the edge, and so I think everybody just gets like a you know a free ride, a free ticket this year. Just be like, whatever happens, just like to watch. I I guess I guess, but I think my my point is like I'm 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 interested in how people have dealt with it, like how they mm. whether they've been forced to deal with the the elephant in the room or in, yeah. in terms of mental health, like yeah, um, you know, I had really really bad um, sort of. Uh, what would you what do you call it? Intrusive thought patterns, right? So mm. you'd kind of need, which have lessened a great deal now, but you know, I needed cognitive behavioural therapy. Never got it, yeah. but you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so healthy over here. Um, uh, but <laughs> but, but, but that's feel... amazing to you that you even recognise that. I mean, that's tremendous yeah. that you're like, okay, you know, you know, CBT, cognitive behavioural therapy, like that's incredible that you're even thinking that, right? And so mm. I think for a lot of people, that's actually been two things either they haven't wanted to go that route and be like that's not for me i don't need it even though they perhaps they may or the other side of this like seeing the conversations being like what we're doing and and bbc is doing and like she bringing this to the forefront to the dinner tables if you will that's where it all begins and i think we're just you know there's such a stigma around mental health and it really yeah. is a shame. And, and I'm really hoping that like this year is like the year where everyone's just like, I, I think more than anything last year and these few months from this year, I think what it's shown is that people just want real. They're really tired of just yeah. seeing just, you know, mm. just fake Instagram, just what have you, but they just like nothing really matters. Like the things that matter to them. And, and I'm, 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 not saying anything that's not new that we haven't heard even in the news, where it's just like people just, all that stuff is just stuff. And so now they're looking at themselves and they're saying, who am I, right? Like yeah. what yeah. kind of person, when this is over, and God, hopefully it will be soon, what things am I not gonna go back to, right? What things do I not want to, to return to and so i'm really and, and what things have i brought in during this season that i really hope to keep and that you know yeah. be it be it yoga be it self-reflection be it cbt to where you are like you know sunday evenings at the you know before you're going to bed you look back and you're like all right what about this week like really made me smile like what one simple thing and mm -hmm. you know even you know this episode that i was just doing for spotify was just about doing nothing like literally mm. taking the time to do nothing just like two or three minutes a day you know outside of my studio um i have these trees and this and that and so i'll just go and i'll sit outside of the door and i'll just listen to the wind go through the trees and it's like we never allow ourselves to do that mm. but even like you know if you go and you, if you read all the books of like einstein and, and 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 mozart i mean this was like their thing and we look at those people as geniuses, but we don't even take their own advice behind it. I'm just like getting outside but, for two or three minutes. Well, the, the, but yeah, I mean, the return to nature for me, I can tell you right now, this time last year, or maybe even before, the, the fundamental switch that went off, like this innate switch that went off in me. God, I was a gardener, I'm a gardener, but anyway. Oh, cool. I'd, go into, I'd either go into my client's garden, a couple in particular, and feel completely free of mm. the outside world because I was in the garden. It was summer. We had a beautiful summer last last year, 
that was one thing. But the, the most insane thing was one escape. So boarding school was terrible for me. I had lots of trauma. And when I was suffering through that trauma, I'd take myself off into the middle of nowhere in the British countryside. That were, I was very fortunate. There was a lot of beautiful countryside around my school. And I'd, I'd just get lost. I'd go walking for hours. People would be like, where the hell's that guy? It's amazing. Right. But that I sort of forgot about or that intense feeling within me that drove me to do that fast forward to 2020 and the pandemic starts and I'm like we've got to get the fuck out of here so where do we go we go to the countryside the Kent countryside which is probably about half an hour drive Mm -hmm. from us and I can't tell you that feeling that insane Mm. depth of that feeling of being in nature and knowing that there's something bigger than us, something so much more profoundly beautiful and, and important than us. And and I think that slowly then brought around this sort of change within me to do with like climate change mm. and how how important that whole thing is. But also just trying my hardest to tap into what that is. I mean, I got seriously hippie, Chad. I was going to fucking leaves and and gently stroking them and being like i am i am so i am like in this moment i am feeling this tree and, yes because uh, i don't know if i'm gonna die that's the other thing right because yes. the, the fucking fear of it all because back then it was like it was an unknown thing almost like anybody could get it and die from it yeah and then this mortality thing and i think that is something that maybe you can speak to a bit about because the mortality thing is so intense, right? Mm. Taking every day as a new day, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. cherishing it. Anyway, God, look at me. I've really gone off on one. No, I mean, this, is, this, is, this is tremendous, man. This is amazing. I mean, like, look at what you did. You removed yourself from the things that you no longer felt like really were life-giving to you, right? Mm. And so, like, you scaled down to the bare minimum of just what you and your family needed to survive light water ground and everything else alcohol. around you can just kind of alcohol <laughs> yes you know it's like even yesterday my my uh, i have two boys and the oldest is 10 and he has pretty severe adhd and so my wife is a gardener as well and so we walked we were walking and um she planted a couple of rosemary bushes and i stopped him and i was like hey take your hand and rub your hands through the rosemary bush like five times because rosemary has like this unbelievable ability and there's something like chemically in rose, if you want to use that word, and then just take deep breaths of rosemary in and it calms yeah. the mind. And, and, and mm. just like, why, I mean, like nature has survived this long without us, right? And so like, we need to look at that and say, there's a reason why we still have rosemary after all of these years, right? Because yeah. like there, it's, it knows what it's doing and so we need to learn from that you know yeah uh, yeah now, now my yeah. myself i'm actually the the complete antithesis of you where like i my soul finds peace in like the midst of like the biggest cities like new york oh, really? like we we, we used to oh dude i get in... that i love that <laughs> but, sorry carry yeah on. i dig that so much well, I mean, so we moved down from Brooklyn uh, a number of years ago, and I and and I miss it so much. Like I miss like New York and just the chaos and the noise and the craziness. And the guy is like running down Second Avenue in a chicken outfit, and we're like, is he wearing that because that's all he had to wear, or is this like something that like he was really <laughs> yeah. sincere about, you know? And so, but if you notice what we're both doing in those environments 
is we're removing the idea of all about me for a moment, right? And those distractions, those things are that are like constantly on my desk that are waiting. You know, as I mentioned earlier, Mondays are the worst days for me. Mondays are the most stressful days for me. So like mm. when we're out away from that Monday, if you will, that's when we begin to breathe. And then that's when we begin to say, man, why am I not doing this more often, right? And it's so hard for us to detach. And unless and, and until we sit down and we actually write down, okay, you know what, from 11 to 11.15, I'm gonna fix a cup of coffee or fix a gin and tonic and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna sit on the porch and I'm not gonna do a darn thing. I'm just gonna sit there and, and just, mm -hmm. if a bird flies by, I'm gonna watch the bird fly by. And then, you know what, after 15 minutes, I'll go back to work. I'll go back to doing what I was doing. And then when you do that, I mean, there's so much science behind this. When you do that, you're raising these things inside your body called BDNF levels, which is basically, uh, it's a hormone in our body that makes happy. So it, um, BDNF is basically like when you exercise, there's a reason why you feel good. It's BDNF. When you're having coffee with a friend, there's a reason why it um, makes you feel good. It's these hormones. And so there's a couple of these hormones I mean, there's a couple of ways of getting this hormone to, to, to rise, to increase, you know, be it being out in nature, be it with friends, whatever. Listening to music is one of those. Listening mm. to music is the only passive one of those. It's where, so they, there was a study from um, in Harvard and the Oxford Press where listening to music three to five minutes literally raises these levels of BDNFs and just allows you to just, just breathe and just like, mm -hmm. dude, who doesn't want to like listen to something chill for like three to five minutes and feel better mm. and then go back into just, it, yeah. you know? Yeah. I was, I was listening to Six Music the other day and uh, Guy Garvey's uh, presenter does a Sunday thing. I love his show. He, he, he played um, Heart of Gold by Neil Young. Oh my God. Nice. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I listen to the radio like all day on the, yeah. on the weekend, all day from right. start to finish. Six, six Music right. is on. Right. But, you know, as background, because not, they don't always play great stuff. But when this song comes on, it goes right up, man. You just over there, you're turning it, turning it right up. But it feeds into, you get to an age of like 40 plus. I'm just, <laughs> the only reason I say 40 plus is because that's where I am now. Well, 39, but you know, whatever. Um, and you start getting a catalogue of shit in your life, of history, of baggage, of good, bad, and whatever you, what have you. And right. certain songs trigger certain memories. And yeah. Oh boy, you know when a song comes along when you're just feeling terrible or isolated and anxious about the world around mm. you, and it just, just that song comes on and just moves you to tears, really does, and 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 that's that's what that did. But um, do you, Chad, I'm uh, well, really I'm, I'm, to... so, I'm so I'm so glad you brought that up really quick because like yeah, yeah. just as much as music can uplift you, it can also take you down that rabbit hole. Like you know, after a breakup when you've just got like, you know, the first Coldplay album on and you just like want to just, you know, get more and more sad. You've got to be aware of that. You have to be careful of that. And so like- I you... can think of worse albums as well. <laughs> 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 but it, I mean, it, it has the effect either way, you know, I, I'll never forget. Um, uh, and I had to stop. So not to be a downer, but my dad passed away in December of last year. And I, and Sorry my dad went. That, I appreciate that. My dad and I were complete stoics, like hardcore stoics, and we're very much of the mentality of like, it is what it is. This is part of life. This is how it goes. 
and I was fine. And my wife was was even to the point of like, you haven't cried. I'm like, it's it's okay. I'm all right, you know. And then there was a um, oh shoot, what was the name of the song? I was flipping through Instagram one day, and and there was an artist that I follow, and um, oh, it's gonna bug me now because his name I can never remember. Hold on. I, I love it when this happens on podcasts because, like, the listeners are like, oh, this is going to be exciting. Oh, Rufus Wainwright. Be? Yeah, exactly. Rufus oh, Wainwright. man, I was listening to him yesterday as well. He was um, on the exact same show right. as Neil Young. Oh, man, that guy is so unstoppably good. He, good. he could sing the ingredients of a soup can. And yeah, um, well so he had, he, had, he had done – so during uh, the pandemic, he started doing you know, the Daily Robe concerts where he would wear – and sing a song, you know, in his robe. Yeah. And he did a song from an older album, you know, a song for you. I started bawling. Just like I was by myself, nobody around, and I just literally just started bawling. And it, and it got to the point mm -hmm. where like, I had to stop myself after like the 30th time of watching it. I've been like, this is not doing me any good at all. I mean, it's great yeah. to get that out and there's a science behind crying and why we need to do it and what have you. Mm. But like to stay in that position is, is almost just like, you know, seeing a large pool of, of lava and just like, I'm going to slowly ease into this. You're like, why? That is not going to do anything yeah. at all. Yeah. I mean, there's like, you know, you've got the ability to pull yourself out of that. And there are obviously people that don't. And um, yeah, we've all got to know what, learn, understand our triggers and, our, and, and what have you. But um, it is it is interesting because we, we my, my <laughs> this is so crude. And I think very, <laughs> sorry, whoever's listening, but I'll get whatever. I said this ex-girlfriend who was fantastic. She used to say, let's go and watch... Um, I don't know, like 500 days of summer or let's go and watch uh, The Pianist or what have you for an emotional right, wank, right, 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 which right. do you know what wank means? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not yeah. pretty. It's not pretty. I'm being yeah, grotesque, yeah. I hear you. but it's, 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 sometimes you just need that. You need that. I've got to go and cry at something because I'm yeah. a guy and I cannot con con cry at conventional things in the real world. <laughs> and it's ridiculous. And I'm exactly with you, dude. Like, I mean, like, Okay, when my dad died, like he he died when I was much younger, like twenty two, oh, but sorry. he but there I cried my tits off. But I mm. didn't at the funeral, didn't at the funeral. Mm. He, you know, I have an emotional moment sometimes where a two will come down yeah, my eyes or whatever. You know, yeah. but guys are weird. Like it's interesting to hear you talk about that. Uh, that you 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 find it hard to 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 cry and and let things out, be stoic and what have you. Like. Um, yeah, especially from someone who is so openly um, in touch with his, um, I don't know, in emotional sides. Do you know what I mean? Like it's. Well, I mean, like my wife and I will we'll cry at the drop of a bucket. I mean, but when it's when it's um, when we see like, you know, a need like homeless or just like someone that's really struggling. And for some reason, I don't know why, like with, you know, when it's something that's like really, really, really close to home that you almost want to protect it. In a roundabout way, I'm not really sure as mm. to why that is. Yeah. But you know, like even the other day, like I mentioned yesterday, getting that you know that Instagram message from someone. Um, I mean, I just started just bawling because it was like so gut wrenching and it was so um, yeah. 
you know, just what people are going through. And so I, I, I think it just kind of hits us in various times and various moments, what have you. But yeah, it's good sure. to know that the pianist, I'm going to go, I'm going to have to go and pull that one up and watch the pianist yeah, again. Yeah, uh, that's a good film, man. It's good. Brody <laughs> does well in that. He does some good work. Oh, yeah. Particularly for you, for you, man. I mean, dear God, like the ending scene in that film. Eesh, anyway, I'm not going to jinx well I, I mean, have you have you read about that. have you read about him after shooting that film like he really got into that role so much they really messed with him like he I really bet, like yeah. do you need yeah. to like this is the thing with actors <laughs> I, I i'm so fascinated but do you really need to do that yeah like i, I oh god there was an actor i was having such a good chat with about that and he was like that's all not it's not all bullshit, but some of it kind of is. Right, it's right, like you right, can right. just turn it on and off. Like, yeah. but anyway, I want to know about you, man. Like where you grew yeah. up and 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 yeah. how long a journey it was to to start making being, uh, you know, being a successful creative person because um, that's kind of interesting. Well, um, I was born. Like, where at did a you grow age. up? Yeah, yeah. I was I was born at a young age. I grew up in North Carolina, which is kind of southern United States. Um, but then, like, as soon as I so I started playing the piano when I was five, and so when I graduated high school, I went to a school called Berkeley up in Boston, and uh, I wanted to change my environment as much as I could. So I went from a really small town of about fifteen thousand people to move into Boston, right? This huge like epicenter of just music and huge, you know, number of colleges. And um, I was there for Go about Red two Sox. years. Uh, yeah, exactly. And so I was there for two years and, and academia is just not my thing. Like higher education is just not my bag. Exactly. If I want to learn it, I'm going to learn it on my own. I'm going to find out and I'm going to learn every nook and cranny about it. But to sit in the classroom and just to like, this just wasn't my thing. And so after two years, I left. I left school, much to my mother's chagrin, and um, took a, a gig on a tour with like this jazz guitarist. His father was super famous. His father was Django Reinhardt, who basically was the oh father of- Oh my God. Yeah, so I took the tour with Bebe Reinhardt, his son. Okay. And it was tremendous. It was amazing. It was unbelievable. Wow. And the guy didn't, he didn't speak a lick of English and uh, smoked like a chimney. And uh, it was, <laughs> it was a trip. It was great. And I was like, this is the right decision. And so after that, I didn't go back to school. I just um, started playing jazz gigs and just started doing my own thing and really loved what, it. What and, age was this? Uh, I, well, 21-ish, yeah, give or take, yeah. somewhere around there. And so then just decided to um, just do gigs, just like learn on my own, right? I knew I wanted to do music. I knew I wanted to do jazz at that time. And so I, I just just supported myself doing gigs. So eventually did a couple of albums with the jazz stuff and they were doing really well. So moved up to New York and did the whole jazz New York thing for the longest time. Yeah. And then long story short, and I'll, I'll get there for a reason, long story short, um, took another pop gig with a, a guy named Julio Iglesias. And so the Julio Iglesias tour was a really eye-opening experience, not in the sense of like, well, I, I, for a number of things. So like our very first show was like in Valladolid in, in, in Spain, like these huge soccer stadiums, huge football stadiums, excuse me. And, and <laughs> it was like, exactly. And so like, you know, 
the lights go out, there's a huge roar and you're backstage and you're like one of seven people like walking up behind the stage, going onto the stage. And it's just, I have chills right now just talking about it. Like it was yeah. such an immense moment where I literally I sat to him and I said to myself, I wish every musician could experience this just once, right? It's like one of those things where it's like, you know, I've been playing the piano since I was five. And so like all of a sudden it all paid off. You know, there's times where like you get made a fun of because you can't play, you know, basketball or whatever because you're practicing, yeah. you know? And, right. um, and, and so, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, like, you know, I just, the very first gig, I couldn't stop smiling. Like I'm up there on stage and I'm playing and like, I'm just smiling in the ear and I had to tell myself, stop smiling, man. You got to act like you've been doing this like every night of your life. You know, you got to be Mr. Cool, you know, and just, <laughs> you know, and just kind of play the part, you know, but it was, it was, it was such a surreal experience. But one thing that really struck me though, is I'm watching, you know, Julio do his thing and he just had the, the crowd and the palm of his hand. He just knew how to work every single moment. And I said, you know what? I said, if, if he can do it, I can do it. So I went home and I started working on my own material for like this next chapter, if you will. And yeah. it was, um, that's where really everything really, really, really began. So I started writing, like, you know, I wanted to get out of the jazz idiom because for me personally, jazz was very entertaining. It was very much like, let me show you how fast I can play or let me try to wow you, which is just, not my personality whatsoever. What um, bands were you playing? Was that like a, a three-piece, four-piece? What what kind of? Yeah, bands yeah, yeah. So it was piano, bass, and drums, and just instrumental, just a piano trio, and just you know. And I loved it. I mean, I, I, Coltrane. I still, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It, it, yeah, exactly. You know, Bill Levins and Oscar Peterson and Miles and all this stuff. And I still actually, I I still take lessons. I still study jazz, even though I don't yeah. play it publicly. But um. So all to say, you know, um, started doing some things, but then like the interesting thing is, you know, we left New York because my wife was like, Hey, if you want to have a family, we need to get out of the city. And, and she was never a big fan of the city to begin with. And so we came back to North Carolina and, um, basically to start a family. And so, you know, I'm playing these gigs here and getting home at like midnight and this and that. And I was like, you know, I really don't want to be doing this when I have kids. I don't want to, I want to be able to put my kids to bed and like, you know, yeah. just spend the evenings with them rather than leaving at five o'clock in the afternoon. And, you know, going back to my dad, he was a furniture designer. And so everything he did was royalty based. So percentage based. And so he told me when I was very young, he said, you have to learn how to make money while you sleep. It's like, there's only so many hours in a day. There's only so many jobs you can do or lessons you can teach or what have you. You have to learn how to make money while you sleep. And that really stuck with me. And so I started thinking, okay, so what can I be doing right now? Instead of doing gigs, instead of teaching. Because at the time I was working like 70 hours a week, you know, just like really, we had just moved down from New York and I was really just trying to like make sure that we could pay rent and put food on the table. And then that's where the idea of trying to get music into film and television came into play. Yeah. I was like, this, this, you know, should be my next step. And so I kind of made this pact with myself that I was going to give myself six months to make this happen. And so every single day 
I would get up at 4.45 in the morning and I would go and I would go into the office and I started, I had created an email template that I would send to every music supervisor I could find. I would just spend hours just Googling, you know, licensing catalogs and what have you. And then, so I would just send out, you know, back in the time, this is when SoundCloud was really big. And so I had like two or three songs, uh, like a playlist. And I would yeah. just send this template email and this, you know, this playlist. And like a month would go by, no reply, you know, two months would go by, no reply. And I'm just doing this every day. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. So getting almost to that six month period, I get a reply. I'm like, hey, I think I can use one of your songs in you know, this television episode. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. This is awesome. Right. And so it was for an MTV series called Teen Mom 2. I didn't even know there was such a thing as like a, a teen mom one. Sounds but apparently delightful. It was, exactly. And Classic. so I it's like, I, I didn't care. Yeah, I didn't care. I was just like, oh, this is not. amazing. And so I went, I went back and I emailed all those people that either didn't reply or they, they said no. And in the subject of the email, I said, featured artists on MTV. Well, that yeah. got a few people to open up some more emails. And then eventually um that led to getting the song on the walking dead and then yeah. you know as and then you go back to all of those people and you know featured artists in the walking dead and so long story short like once i started focusing on licensing and getting music and film and tv my career really took off for a reason that i really wasn't ready for because what was happening was i was then getting money from these licenses as far as like getting music in there. And those monies allowed me to quit my job at like waiting tables and doing all this other stuff that I was doing, teaching, what have you, and focusing on just being a musician and just like writing music, right? And so then, so I'm getting this money that's kind of coming in while I sleep because it's being licensed. And, and so then I'm working on my new material and I don't have to stress if what I'm writing for this next album is going to be successful or not, because I already had yeah. money coming in from somewhere else. And so I could take risk with what I was mm -hmm. doing. And the cool thing is those albums, you know, they went to number one because I was yeah. taking risk and I was trying something really unique and something very different. And so it really, it was one of those things where it's like, for some reason, I don't know who started this whole myth of telling artists, you know, don't focus on the money, you know, focus on the art. And I gotta be honest, like, I wanna call BS on that. Because like when I speak now, particularly to, you know, other musicians or conferences or whatever, I mean, one of the very first things I say is, go after the money. Like literally, <laughs> just, just go after the money. There's a tremendous book out called um, Make Art, excuse me, Make Art Make Money. And it talks about Jim Henson, how this was his approach in creating the Muppets. Like long before the Muppets, he had this, this um, ideology of like, if I create something really cool, I can sell it. And then I can create something even cooler and sell it for more. And then snowball, yeah. snowball, 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 snowball. And I, I think as far as like musicians, I mean, if there's any artists out there or any creatives out there, I mean, this is the, the directive I would say which is, you know, unabashedly go after the money. It's okay. You know, I mean, like, 
we have food, we have light, and well, I'm see, able to do thing, what I it? do. But there's, there's definitely, like, you're talking to someone who's 39 now and who's definitely would would agree with you to, yeah, pretty much, like, say, 80%. But I better have some shit with money scares the crap out of me. But a 20-year-old, right, who wants to be in a punk band... Yes, who's, yeah. ...who has... Maybe he's really got the ability of writing a really great song, but doesn't want to sell out. Um, yeah. You know, dude, in in five years... Do you do you really still want to be doing that in five years, or do you want to think about making some making a living essentially, yeah. right? You know, yeah. paying respect, giving enough respect to your art. You know, I think that's the other thing is like a lot of people would say, "I want to sell what I've got. I wanna, I want to market myself." But oh, I don't know. Is that bad? Trying to get money for my art. <laughs> exactly. You know, am I selling my soul? Well, I mean, imagine any other industry. I mean, imagine like, you know, someone in plumbing industry, right? It's just like, hey, can you come over and fix these pipes? Yeah, sure. How much? Oh, I don't know. You know, just maybe a few beers. You know, it, like there's no industry right. that works this way. And for some yeah. reason, I don't know why. And maybe it's because playing music is fun. And so we just expect people to do it just for fun because they enjoy doing it. But, oh, you know, man. there's all this other side of like, you know, people like to eat you know and it's yes okay. yeah and there's nothing wrong with that and going back to your, going back to your you know your 20 year old kid that wants to play in the punk band i think you need to have those moments though i think you need to have those you know paying your dues if you will what have you um because mm. i mean i i learned so much playing from a corporate wedding band gig mm. um for years i was in a wedding band and you know it's you're playing songs that you really don't enjoy that everyone is just wanting to hear and dance to and what have you. But going back to the whole waiting tables thing, when you're in that kind of setting, when you're in that kind of band, when you're, you know, you're totally just playing whatever the bride wants you to play, you're going <laughs> back to understanding that, you know what, taking care of people, giving them something that they want to hear, right and then realizing that you're making money doing that and that's okay and then sometimes you kind of have to take that approach i'm just saying i'm going to take yeah. these funds from something that i really don't really care that much for and i'm going to apply those things to what i really want to be doing so yeah um now the interesting thing is with the podcast like it's just a passion piece you know calm it down i don't make a single nickel on that's not true i've made like seven dollars i have like a donate button on it. um but I, I think i've yeah, made like yeah. seven dollars total but it's no one makes money from podcasting now do they I mean, <laughs> like really i don't i, I don't know. know i have no idea unless you're like joe rogan or something yeah exactly exactly yeah but you know i mean that's the great thing about you know the podcast is i don't have to depend on it for income and so i can just talk about what i want to talk about and right but it also channels people into what you do yeah. jesus christ your spotify is insane you know i was listening yeah. to your um show power earlier and oh um, thanks the the, pre, the preludes on there oh my jeez yeah. louise you must be a fan of what max richter did with the vivaldi's four seasons no you know i don't listen to those similar artists like max and I, I i know max max has been very good for me and very encouraging and there's twice i've been in a pinch where i've needed a violinist and he's really pulled me out of the of the hole um, so I, yeah. I can only speak like incredible things about Max, but I've actually, I don't listen to his music. I don't listen to all You've of her. You've got to be I careful. 
Yeah. Yeah, because I can I come from that jazz background where like you just steal it, right? And right. so yeah. I, yeah. I, I so um that's very kind of you to say, but yes, I mean he's incredible. All great artists steal, you know? Chad. All great artists steal. Come on. <laughs> you know? Look at yeah, Dennis Leary stealing Bill Hicks to death. Um but anyway. Um what was I yeah. gonna say? I wanted yeah. I, I did want to speak a little bit about your passion for music. I mean like yeah, sure. um yeah. I touched on Chopin there a little bit, but um when when did music folk like become front and center in your life? Yeah, um super early, like five or six or something? Yeah, when we, when I was five, we, there used to be a program on television and I don't know if you guys have it over there, but there was a band called Shanana. And Shana, yeah, yeah. oh, okay, cool. So um, Shana, they had a, a television program, and so like every week we would just watch it. And like as a kid, I didn't grow up in a musical household. My parents didn't play. My brother didn't play. And as a kid, I'm just watching this guy on television, just like just bang away at this thing. I didn't even know what it was, and it was a piano. And yeah. so my parents they rented a piano, and because who's going to believe a five year old and you know committing to something? And I started taking lessons when I was five and I haven't stopped. And so I just kind of, you know, at this point, it's the, it was the only thing that I knew, you know, I wanted to quit mm. when I was 13 because, you know, being a teenager and you know trying to fit in with of everybody course. else. And my mom said, you know, you're neither good enough nor, you know, smart enough to be able to, to, to do that. So you're not quitting cool, and wow. you're, you're going to, you know, stick with it. Um, Jesus, you you listen to her though, because a lot of kids go <laughs> screw you. Yeah, like, exactly. You don't know me. Yeah. So yeah, and that's not my personality, but uh, that was my brother's personality. Yeah. But uh, okay. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. So um, yeah, so just I mean, it just stuck with it, you know, because going back to me it was a perfect thing for an introvert, you know, just to be by myself all alone, um, and then even even today the interesting thing about being an indie artist for so long is what people don't realize and well maybe they do is like the little time that you actually spend on the piano or your instrument whatever it is you're doing because most of the time it's i'm, I'm in front of the computer to be honest you know i'm doing emails and doing admin i'm i'm doing oh podcast gosh. interviews yeah. you know yeah and so of course. you know whereas i used to practice six hours a day i'd be lucky if i got like you know six minutes a month almost i feel like and so it's it's um it's it's it's, it's definitely definitely not what everybody thinks it is but i wouldn't change yeah. it for the world though but when you're doing when you're trying to sit down and doing like trying to figure out a score whether it's the walking dead or what have you like are you i this is i i i'm lucky john barry came into my life many many years ago dance, dances with wolves but we were watching it on a shitty vhs down in um somerset the other day uh, the, the movie and yeah. um I tell a lie, it was live on telly, which is even better because then you're actually watching live TV with a bunch of people. It's amazing. And one of the greatest scores of all time is there. Do you, who do you draw from the most? I mean, or is, is there, because I mean, obviously, it's fine if you don't. I'm just sort of trying to get to the, who, like, in terms of TV, film, has really, like, blown your mind. There's a guitarist. Um, he does a lot of Spanish films, and his his name is Gustavo Santiala. And um, he's he, nothing. Well, actually, I think about there's a video game um, like Last Last of Us or something like that. I don't know. Uh -huh. um, 
and he, exactly, you would never like really hear from him. Of him. Um, so he and then Trent Reznor. I love Trent. I love Nine Inch Nails. I love like what he and Attica Roots Ross have been doing. It's just been so tremendous. It's been so creative. Um, obviously, you can see I'm, I'm drawing pretty hard from the minimalist approach. Um, I'm not yeah, an definitely. animated person. I'm not. A, I'm not a loud person. I'm not like a you know. I I don't like you know the the the, the intense. I'm so laid back. I walk with a cane. So um, okay. So, okay. Okay. so, so Philip Glass and his like um, metamorphosis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, that's that's pretty much my jam. Um, As far as like films, there's a really amazing film that I I highly recommend called The Motorcycle Diaries. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. well, that yeah, that's that's him. That's Gustavo doing the score. So I remember Shake of Honor, right? Yeah, yeah. So I reconnect. Yes, yes, exactly. So it's it's really worth checking out. It's really worth watching. So it's good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. I man, I I, it's something about film score that when if you take it away, like yesterday we were watching. I mean, for about the eightieth time, the talented Mr. Ripley, which has a, a really great uh, piano soundtrack, a really good, like you know, yeah. Ripley theme. Yeah. Whenever think when anything, you, how you're being led is so important. Do you think it's like in 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 film, TV, whatever? Like being emotionally led is one of the most important things and people once again don't give a soundtrack enough credit like they, you watch Game of Thrones what the hell would Game of Thrones be without particularly yeah. the when the seasons start going crap um, yeah. towards the end like <laughs> 7, 8, whatever, 9, whatever it was um, where would you be without the intensity do you know what I mean and you must be watching it going oh my god that guy has just done a great job Mm. Well, I mean, that's so interesting you bring that up because I, I remember listening to the Interstellar soundtrack for the very first time. I was driving and I had headphones on. I had to pull over because it was so intense. Like, I have chills right now. Like, driving, I was like, oh, I haven't heard this yet. I, I haven't even watched the movie. I haven't even seen the movie. And so I'm just, I, I hit starts. And I was like, oh, this is going to be Hans's typical, you know, huge blow it up kind of stuff. Man, uh-huh. it, I literally had to pull off the road because I, I was just like, this is unbelievable. And then when you find out that, you know, the direction that he was given had nothing to do with the plot whatsoever. You know, he was told to write a piece for one of his kids. You know, like this is a, a father, you know, writing a, a song for one of his kids. It had nothing to do. It was brilliant with the director mm. what he did with that behind. So it's amazing, like how, to your point, like the music will have such an impact without even realizing that you don't have to have the story attached to it when it's done right, mm. you know? So, no, I, yeah, I agree. Like, that's quite interesting. I didn't know that. That's really, that's fascinating to me because it is, I, I love that. I, I really like Interstellar. I know it's quite a divisive movie. Not everyone gets on board with it, but the, yeah, again, like it can, you can take a film. that's like maybe a six, like five and a half six and just put it into like the realms of the seven so you'll watch it like imdb you know whatever but it's just it's it's so important but the um you know um uh zimmer and and, uh dunkirk that score is phenomenal i mean i think i think it was zimmer um and he does the um take on uh Oh, come on, Will. <laughs> Nimrod. Uh, oh, my God. He, the most famous English composer. And I've forgotten his, um, fucking, I've forgotten his name. 
embarrassing. Um, but Enigma variations anyway, and there's, there's a movement called Nimrod, um, and it, it's kind of like our second national anthem, and okay. it works into this moment where the 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 land, the small sailing boats and the barges, or whatever you come across from the, the the channel to rescue the troops and pick them off off the beach of Dunkirk in what 1940, and uh, it's pretty spectacular. It's pretty spectacular, and he it, just nails it, man. Mm. Like, wow! It's so good. Do that. It's so good. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you know why? Probably because he was in a punk band when he was in his twenties, and he went through some <laughs> some stuff that just life throws at you, and you got to go through it. And yeah, you know, it, it's like hearing someone sing, you know, a breakup song that's never had their heart broken. Right. It's like not until they they get cheated on or dumped on or whatever. Is that right. song really going to make sense? And then be yeah. able to pull that emotion into just what they're doing, creatively speaking. So, yeah. Who's Edward Elgar, by the way. I haven't. Oh, there you go. Remembered it. Right. <laughs> there you go. Good yeah. That's awesome. Um, but look, thank you so much for your time. Um, yeah. Is there you. Is, is there anything else you'd like to say or promote or anything? Because I'm pretty lame at this. Tom was absolutely fantastic. He was like, oh, good. just such a lovely guy. And he was like, Chad's going to, he's so easy going. Talk about whatever you like. And, and I'm That's happy. it, man. Honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm not one yeah. to, I'd rather just sit and talk about, you know, flowers than talk about like what I'm trying to do with my career, you know, talk about the important <laughs> stuff, man. Welcome so. to my world. I literally yes, cannot get out of my garden at the moment because we, the garden we used to have was the size of a, I, I, like a beach ball. It was tiny, and I planted up to as maximum as I could before it looked ridiculous. Digging up more and more and more lawn to like the postage stamp was then now like a, a like a cent coin. Um, but the garden we have now is in comparison a, it's like Buckingham Palace garden or something. It's huge. Send and some pics, man. Little... Send some pics. I want to see it. I, I will. I, I just walking my little daughter around um, the garden in my arms. She's so cute. She's like, you know, what, four months, three, three or four months old. And yeah, and it's, 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 it's remarkable, especially since my friend nearly fucking died in a car crash yesterday. That how oh, my gosh. Occasionally we get these. Mo He's fine. He's absolutely fine. Walked away. Okay. Fine. But like these moments we get where we're like, just touching back on that vulnerability thing, you know, the mortality. Yeah. And it's just, it's very upsetting. I'm very, very in touch with that. And it makes me yeah. really unnerved. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, but you can go into a garden and you can look at a bee on a plant and go, Hey man, it's going to yeah. be okay. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's the thing is like, you look up in the stars at night, like I love the stargaze and you're looking up at the stars and you're just like, okay, my problems are pretty insignificant because look, look, look how huge this is, right? Look how mm. just big the universe is. And like, you know, my, you know, spilling coffee on my lap is not that really a big of a deal once you look at it, you know? And yeah, then cool. when you look at like how important and simple the life of someone like your best friend is, you're just like, yeah. okay, that's, that is immense and that really is the center of everything you know walking through a, through the garden with your daughter i mean what 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 more could anyone ask for right and what are you going to remember what are you going to fucking remember you're going to remember like cleaning up the coffee off a table or you exactly gonna, in 20 30 years time or you're going to remember moments like that but we for some reason we really struggle 
our attachment to fast, fast, now, 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 capitalism, yeah. we must serve that more than we serve ourselves. It's, it's extraordinary why we do that. Like, I mean, I'm driving my kid to school and, you know, there's a guy trying to overtake me and, and like it's in a 30 and it's a, and it's in a pedestrian, it's a tiny little community. And like, what are you, what are we, what is driving this? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What is driving yeah. Yeah. these van delivery drivers, Amazon drivers, whoever. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's, it's it, anyone anyway, becoming a socialist now, but, but <laughs> fucking hell. Bernie Sanders, Jeremy Corbyn. Anyway, Chad, thank you so much for your time. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. It's been great to talk yeah. to you. So send me those cool. photos. I'm going to see the garden. I will. I, I, um, Instagram. We'll yes. hook up on Instagram. I'll send you a message. There we go. That sounds awesome. All right. Okay, mate. Well, thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. No worries. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right.